one and all, you are listening to the Friday Night Groove with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr., or RBJ for short, forever connecting the dots between soul, jazz, electronic, alternative indie, and everything in between. Usually, people typically hear this program over the air on 88.3 WXOU FM. But due to recent events, that just isn't possible for now. But I'm keeping the grooves going with the podcast format of the show. And in this edition, have an exclusive interview with Philadelphia-based singer, songwriter, and producer, Ian Murphy, or better known as Brushstroke. So as always, sit back, relax, enjoy. But to kick off the program of the track you hear right now, producer known as Finnick out of Indianapolis, their track so far now which comes off their album free us of this feeling peace thank you and let's groove
singer, songwriter, guitarist, producer, born and raised in Philly, I bring to the program Mr. Ian Murphy, but better known as Brushstroke. How are you today, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. It's very good to talk to you. I know things are kind of crazy right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think music is a, a good distraction to kind of help us get through this, so really just interested to talk to you and talk about your career and how things are going. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Now, I read you started playing drums at three and guitar at seven. How did music become such a part of your life at an early age? You know, it's funny. No one in my family was, was super musical in terms of playing instruments or anything like that, but I just grew up in a household where music was, was always on. You know, my parents always had records on or the radio on or something like that. So I think I just, from a, from a young age, was exposed to it, and that's just kind of what I latched on to. And you also self-produce, mix, and master. How did you learn to do all three? A lot of that really didn't come until probably later in high school, early in college. For the longest time, you know, when I was making music as a kid and growing up and all that, I just had a little tape recorder that I would, you know, run run guitar and vocals into and 
It sounded absolutely horrible. It wasn't until I got into high school and, and even more so into college that I really started, you know, focusing more on the production side of things. I went to school for music and production and all that, so I just I had classes and teachers that really put more of an emphasis on that as my musical influences changed and I started listening to different things throughout the years. Things just started sticking out to me more in the terms of how it sounded, how the production sounded and how I wanted to, to implement things like that when it came to my own music. Speaking of your influences, who were some of the artists that you listened to that inspired this kind of music you make today? Oh, man, uh, so many. I mean, for starters, Stevie Wonder is my, my all-time favorite musician of all time. I think that guy is just the absolute best. I just, he is a god to me. Um, so, I, you know, I grew, and I grew up on a lot of, like, Motown, and so I, I grew up listening to Stevie and Earth, Wind and & Fire and, and Al Green. So that's definitely very deeply rooted in, in the kind of stuff I try and make. But then coming from more of that production side of things, I've always really been inspired and fascinated by people like Tame Impala and Unknown Mortal Orchestra and, you know, Hiatus Coyote and kind of these groups where you kind of had to really listen to decipher what they were doing because they had such interesting sound textures and stuff like that going on in their music. But even that, I feel like a lot of that music is still very deeply rooted in like groove music and funk music and all that stuff. So I just, I always kind of like the, the blending of really rhythmic and groove based music, but with more, I guess for lack of a better word, like ethereal sound textures. Now I wanted to touch back on your schooling a little bit. So you attended the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, correct? Yes, yeah. And for people who don't know, what did you major in? So I majored in guitar performance, and then I did a minor in like production and engineering. How influential was attending that school on your career going forward? I think any art school is an interesting experience because you're going to college for such a such an intangible thing. You know, it's not like going for a more traditional major where you're just going to graduate and kind of have more of a predetermined career path. So I I think for me the biggest thing I took from going to school for music was just the just the connections you make with people and the amount of collaboration you're exposed to which I try to take full advantage of you know I'm super blessed to have incredibly talented friends who are also you know out there making their own original music and when it comes to playing live shows you know I'm very lucky to have a band of just really incredible musicians that all have their own styles and their own influences and I think stuff like that is some of the best things you can get out of going to, to music school or art school or anything like that is just meeting other people who share that same creative drive that you do. Optimist, where you had my. 
When did the concept of brushstroke form for you? It, it really, honestly, was not a conscious decision. I wrote the song Tapestries, which is the first single I ever released under the moniker Brushstroke, and really had no real thoughts about it. Just it was, it was a song that I wrote, mm. wasn't really thinking. And you know, I've always just found like monikers fascinating. I've always liked when people kind of have a, a stage name for what they do. And a, a friend of mine, for whatever reason, had they listened to the song and brushstroke kind of resonated with them. So I, I literally, I just put it out on. I think after like a week or so, I put it up on Spotify. And again, like, was, did, didn't have a master plan, just kind of released it. And then a, a lot of people, you know, just really ended up liking it, and it, it made its way to the curator at Bandcamp, and he put it on the Bandcamp Weekly, and then it made its way to. Uh, Joe K out of Selection, and oh, they wow. put it on one of their Spotify playlists. There, it made its way around the internet a bit. So, so then I kind of started actively thinking, like, okay, I should follow this up with something. <laughs> so yeah, it really was just a single with no, with no plans to, you know, do anything <laughs> else after that. Yeah, and then I just started working on one versus one from there. And I think, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I put. Tapestries out January, and One Versus One was out by March, and then we played our first show by the end of March, I think. Like it was a pretty, it was a pretty quick sequence of events for the first record there.
actually record one versus one what thoughts or ideas do you have going forward and how did it actually work out the whole reason i titled it one versus one was because i i wanted to do it completely by myself and you know i will say like you know brushstroke primarily is a solo project when it comes to in the studio it's it's most of the stuff is all me however Going back to, you know, just saying how I have some really talented friends. You know, I call a lot of people in for recording as well, just because I have a lot of friends who are, are better at certain instruments than I am. Even though a lot of the writing and producing and all that is me, I'll bring people in for sessions and all that if I have certain parts I want to get done. But for One versus One, I really wanted to try and make an entire record just without any help, just completely... I mean, I made it in my bedroom, you know, for two months just alone. So that was the driving force behind that. I just kind of wanted to see what I could do in terms of making a whole thing by myself and, and what it would come out sounding like. I, I think that's there's a, a noticeable difference between that record and the, the second record I put out, which had a lot more collaboration on it. I mean, for that second record there, I basically... I basically brought my whole live band in with me and, oh. and had them play a lot of the parts and stuff that I had written out. From a creative standpoint, why was it important to kind of involve more people than yourself on this record? I think I kind of drove myself crazy a little bit with the first record, doing it, <laughs> just doing it alone. So for the second record, I just, I wanted much more of a communal group of ideas and all that. So which is why I involved, you know, there was a, a pretty long list of collaborators on that record kind of just like a flip of the coin you know when it came to starting that second record I was of the mindset of okay I did the first one by myself I kind of know what that experience was like now I kind of want to see what the experience of loosening up the reins a little bit is like and, and having other people come in and, and put their ideas over this music so it was really just kind of wanting to to get the opposite of what I did the first time around now when I think about waiting for nothing I think it's an album that shows a lot about you growing as not only as an artist but as a person as well what lessons did you take from the first album that you wanted to kind of expand upon maybe personally or musically in the second album the second album felt much more open to me especially from a personal standpoint of mm -hmm. just kind of where i was in life you know when i put out the second record i was two or three months out of college or something like that it wasn't long so the second record to me just had a very honest feel of kind of trying to figure everything out being out of college being broke trying to get a job and all that stuff so the second record just had more you know honest feel of I guess for lack of a better word, uncertainty to it, which is kind of where the, the album title came from, which I think is w another reason why I, I leaned more into the collaborative space on that record is because at that time, everyone was kind of in that kind of limbo space of graduating and just kind of figuring things out. So that just kind of was the overall feeling of that record, I feel like. You said that I should go Take some time to be with my own thoughts and decide if what I really want is a lie. Cause truth is always hard to come by.
on this a little bit uh, before but I find the Philly music scene to be one of the more intriguing creative spaces we have today as far as music and just creative ideas and people express themselves. From someone with the ground perspective, how much can you speak on the growth and development of that scene? I think Philly's a, a great music scene and I, I think part of the reason it is, is because in a lot of ways it's not thought of as a music scene. To me, Philly always comes off to me as almost like a city of, of, of session players. You know, a lot of like big touring artists will come through and pick their bands from people in Philly just because there's so many great musicians here. But if you're not really that focused in, if you're just an average everyday person and you ask them what are the big cities for music, you're typically not going to hear Philly on that list. You're going to hear the usual Nashville, Los Angeles, New York City, you know, the places that have always kind of been the staples for that stuff, which I think in a way enables Philly to kind of do its own thing because you know it has the it has the eyes of the industry on it and that the people who are really in the industry and kind of know what's going on know that there's a lot of great stuff happening in Philly but I also don't think there's this not pressure but for lack of a better word pressure from everyday people to to hold the standards up to something of a Los Angeles or a New York or something like that it's a tough it's a tough question to answer Philly just has such a a unique a unique vibe to it when it comes to its music and all that and it has such a long history of great musical artists that, that have come out of Philly. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough question, but what I get is that artists from Philly have almost a chip on the shoulder, not only to do well, but represent the city itself. Yeah, yeah, in a, in a way, yeah, yeah. So just wrapping things up, what does the future look like for Brushstroke? Planning on, on staying pretty busy, you know, throughout the summer and all that. Uh, we have a few shows in April here, provided things are, you know, a little calmer when April rolls around. <laughs> Got a show or two in May. All of those right now are just kind of in Philly and in the Philly area. As far as any, you know, new music and all that stuff goes, I've kind of just been in the the headspace of, of singles right now. You know, I just, I just released a single about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not super in the mindset of putting out a whole a whole another full length at the moment right now. I think I'm spending the summertime just putting out singles here and there and seeing what different creative avenues I can do with that. I'm also I do a lot of session work with other artists here in the city, so I'm working on you know a lot of really great music uh, with other people. So I'm, I'm you know I'm excited to see where those projects kind of lead. So yeah, kind of just dabbling in a little bit of everything at the moment, but we'll definitely still have some new music coming out every every now and again. You have any shout-outs you want to give as far as new music or artists we should be looking out for? Oh, man, there's so many. <laughs> um, there's an artist uh, named Fruit here in Philly that's really making some crazy moves right now. It's spelled F-R-U-U-T. Artist here in Philly named Hannah Lormer. She's one of my best buds. She makes amazing music. My homie AJ, he plays in the band. He just dropped an EP that's, that's crazy good. My homie Mochi, who lives over in Europe, but is, is from Philly here. Mochi Robinson, he makes crazy music. Yeah, I mean, I could... I could go on for hours shouting out people here in Philly who make who make great music. Yeah, just just Philly in general. There's just so much good music going around right now. No, oh, for sure, for sure. 
And for those who want to follow you, how can they do that? If you're trying to, to hit me up directly, the best thing is just my, my Instagram, at Music by Murph, you know, where I usually answer any questions and all that stuff. But other than that, you can find all my stuff on all the normal sites, Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, uh, you know, Google, Amazon, all, all, all the streaming stuff I'm, I'm out and about on this. Thank you, Ian. All the best. Hopefully next time we talk, things are a little bit calmer. Yeah, you too, man. I appreciate the appreciate uh, letting me do that. No problem. My absolute pleasure. does it for this edition of the show if you enjoyed the program you can hear more by going to FridayNightGroove.com once again that's FridayNightGroove.com there you find a set list the fullest links to past editions of the program I want to thank my guests again for a fantastic interview and I wish them nothing but the best in the future peace everyone, stay safe and I'm going to end this episode with one more brushstroke song it's called Burning Down. And comes off his album, Waiting for Nothing. Enjoy. I'll catch you later. Thank you. As always, keep it grooving. She said, baby, I can't take no more your lies. He said, baby, you've been taking them all your life. 
What's a couple more years, couple more years of my time Cause you're taking, you're wasting, you're going complicated And you never make it alright Baby, I've given all my love to you, baby. 